Hello, and welcome back to the One Book, One Northwestern podcast. We're discussing different themes of this year's One Book, Hidden Figures by Margot Shetterly. Last time, we talked to Tarana Burke about the hashtag MeToo movement and its legacy. Since then, the world has changed quite a bit due to the impact of coronavirus. I'm sure everyone has been impacted differently, and I hope everyone listening is doing well. One of the biggest changes for me is that I'm coming to you from my living room in Knoxville, Tennessee. I've been spending quality time with my family and working on spring classes remotely. Today, we're talking about the Northwestern Wirt Center's production of Legally Blonde the Musical, which ran during the winter quarter. I spoke to two students about their experience acting in the show, their interpretations of the show, and its place in the conversation about representation and women in theater. I'm sure many are familiar with the story of Legally Blonde, but if you aren't, here's a quick explanation from Holly Hinchcliffe, a senior in the School of Communication. Legally Blonde is a story about Elle Woods on a journey which she thinks is going to result in her finding the love of her life and meeting back up with him and convincing him that he should be with her at Harvard, but ends up um, learning a lot more about herself and her academic and law-related pursuits and abilities, and also finds love, but also finds the things that she loves. Natalie Welch, another NU senior, focused on the fun nature of the show when describing it. Legally Blonde is a bubbly, bright, and fun story about a girl becoming a woman, really, by realizing that she is both smart and beautiful and kind and her own individual. The show maintains a light, funny feel, but at the same time provides commentary about defying traditional gender roles. Hinchcliffe played Vivian in the show. She is one of these characters who didn't believe Elle could succeed in law school. Vivian is set up as Elle's enemy at the beginning of the show, and she is dating Warner, Elle's ex-boyfriend. And then throughout the story and the musical, Vivian slowly starts to become less intrigued and in love with Warner and more inspired and motivated by the things that Elle is doing and realizes that she judged her all along. She comes together to support Elle in her final court case. Elle and Vivian are very different, with Elle being the visual representation of the color pink and Vivian being the color gray. Hinchcliffe said it's possible that ideas of what professional women should look like could have something to do with Vivian's dislike of Elle. She considered this while trying to understand who Vivian is. She isn't necessarily like trying to go out of her way to be a bully, but rather she has very specific ideas about what success for women in law looks like and that she feels like there's one way to do it and there's a right way and a wrong way and sees Elle as doing it the wrong way. So I think I just had to find ways around like really legitimizing and understanding why she was feeling where she was. Hinchcliffe said this role was something new for her. It was really cool. I've never played the like evil or mean person or villain in a show before. So for me, I had a lot of fun just exploring that type of character that I've never gotten to play before. Also like throwing on a wig every night was really fun. So just like theatrically, there are a lot of elements to it that I really enjoyed. 
Additionally, I think it was cool to kind of have a redeeming arc every night throughout the show. While Vivian didn't get around to it until the end, there are also those that root for Elle from the beginning, including Natalie Welch's character. She played Pilar, one of Elle's college friends. I played Pilar, who is one of the Greek chorus girls. So basically, Elle Woods, she has uh, a posse of best friends from school at UCLA, who once she travels across the country and goes to law school at Harvard, kind of follow her in her consciousness and become a metaphorical Greek chorus. So they're not physically there. They're just like in her mind supporting her as best friends do, even when you're states away. Welch said the role wasn't too hard to play because it just so happened that she and the other students in the Greek chorus are friends in real life. The director didn't know this when he cast us, but we are truly best friends in real life. And we're really close with the girl who played Elle as well. And so that was really special because I just felt like I didn't even have to try to get into character because really my character was just being myself with my best friends. Welch said this and other friendships are important to Elle overcoming challenges like other students not taking her seriously, her professor only seeing her for her looks, having to figure out how to protect her client in court, and ultimately her not believing in herself. And I also think her journey as a, a woman is really key because she comes from a really privileged background and is just very unaware of the world around her. Welch said by being removed from her support system and placed in a new world, Elle is able to grow throughout the story. By being removed from that privilege for a second, I mean, she's obviously still very privileged as she goes to Harvard and her parents can pay for that and everything, but by being separated from her home base in California and her family and her friends and stuff, I think she's really forced to see a new perspective and a new world. More than the show just fictionally uplifting women, Legally Blonde also became a chance for students involved to feel empowered and showcase their talents. The bend and snap, which is one of Welch's favorite scenes, is one of the moments that helped the characters and students in the show feel empowered. whole song is really about us empowering Paulette, the salon owner, to own her body. I mean, she has an amazing body and she is just gorgeous and she doesn't feel super confident about it. But throughout that song, we as her four friends give her the power to say, I am amazing, I'm gorgeous, and I'm gonna rock it. And that is just something that I was really special to me, feeling like every night on stage, me and my closest friends were empowering each other to love our bodies, love ourselves, and be gorgeous. Welch said featuring a woman-centered show at Northwestern, one about overcoming, is significant because of how rarely this is actually done. People don't really realize how rare it is to have a show that has a majority of the lead characters be female. There are so many shows that are just centered around male stories, um, and females are generally the kind of side characters or just... Um, not the ones winning the cases in the legal room. Choosing Legally Blonde was not necessarily a coincidence. Wirtz decided to focus on showcasing women's stories this season through the theme of love and power. Well, one of the things they also really wanted to focus on was highlighting women's stories. And I think that that was uh, really exciting because having been here for four years, like I said before, there are just a lot of shows that really focus on on men. and. 
I think that that was really powerful that they chose to do a whole season of shows that really have amazing roles for, for women. This year marks the 150th year since women could enroll at Northwestern. To honor this, there's been a lot of focus on highlighting women, their accomplishments, and stories through many different outlets. This includes theater productions, one book programming, and more things on campus. Welch said she got to be in another women-centered show during the fall. It was called Machinal, written by Sophie Treadwell in the 1920s. She said to not have women-centered shows would be a disservice in many senses. There's so many amazing freshmen, sophomores, and juniors who are just so talented. And I think that having shows that really center around men, A, just reduces opportunities for all these talented people who should be getting amazing roles and B, just as a disservice to our audience members by not allowing them to see amazing stories written by women and showcasing women too. I also asked Holly what she thought the significance of Wart's adding this show to the season was, and she brought up some other points. A combination of like music, dancing, incredible like vocal agility and just like colors and blasting lights everywhere makes it just like exciting entertainment. Um, and it has very high production value in that way, I think. In terms of what she sees in the storytelling, Hinchcliffe said there's something to admire about a story of overcoming like Elle's, even if the show may be becoming a little dated. I think in a lot of ways it's dated, and so you can see it as like commentary on the on the 2000s and like a kind of um, satire about that time, but also it's not too far. It's not like completely a period piece that happened a way long time ago because a lot of the events and story feel like they could happen today. Ultimately, I think it just gets you to root for someone and that's a really exciting feeling and you just kind of root for Elle in her, in her struggles as ridiculous as they may seem. This idea of the show being a little dated seemed interesting when considering what representation looks like in the show. Hinchcliffe said the timing was a question the cast often wondered about. To be honest, it, it was at times difficult to clarify for us how we were treating the show if it was if it was happening right now or if it was happening in 2008. Hinchcliffe said something specific that stood out to her as potentially dated were characterizations of race in the show. Characterizations um, of race are like really particularly dated in that they wrote it so that one sorority sister is a person of color and like one is Jewish and one is like the blonde dumb one. And they pretty clearly made these stereotypes of like sorority girls that they wanted for each one, which I think is really interesting. And again, like whether that's commentary or not, I don't know. She said, however, the director and producer Chris Carter didn't go along with particular suggestions in the script. He just cast them as he wanted. And like that was kind of a helpful thing to not take a woman who was auditioning for the show as a person of color and be like, well, there's this role that has to be. So that's you now. So I think like that was something that I talked to my castmates about and that um, was appreciated and that he like, didn't really listen to the signals from the script on what was supposed to be casting for race, which is cool. This is a lot to consider about creating a show, but these are often not the things people are thinking about during the show, not when so much is going on with music and dancing and comedy. Welch said, however, it is the fun of a show that can get the audience to see some of these themes. A lot of people go to musical theater to be entertained, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it's really smart when in the middle of the entertainment, you like sneak in these key points. Um, and all of a sudden at the end of the show, you have someone who's like, well, I had a great time, but also, whoa, like that was crazy. You know, Elle all of a sudden just totally took ownership of her life, you know, or like she proposed to a guy who 
could ever guess that a woman would do that, you know? And I think it's really powerful because all of a sudden people who um, just came to be entertained are also feeling enlightened in a new way or just feel like they got access to a new perspective that they didn't necessarily have before. That's all for this episode of the One Book One Northwestern podcast. Be on the lookout for the next episode. We'll be taking it directly back to the themes of hidden figures. I'll be spotlighting women in STEM at Northwestern. <laughs>